Emery Smith, a name and a man that many in the alternative community have come to know for his candor, his technological acumen, and his desire to see humanity live a more abundant life. Having been involved with many high-level classified projects over the years, working with breakthrough technologies, including surgical procedures and methods for healing that have heretofore been kept from public view, Emery is determined to see our human family finally learn and utilize these breakthroughs to enhance our own lives and that of the planet. I spoke with Emery to discuss these ideas, plus get his thoughts on extraterrestrial life. Are non-human intelligences walking amongst us right now? We also touched on the idea of portals and ley lines. What are they? Where are they? And how do they connect throughout the planet and maybe even the universe and beyond? Let's listen in to what Emery had to say. You know, Emery, I have to admit, it was a little difficult for me to nail down the subject that I wanted to discuss with you today, simply because you and all of what you've been known to discuss are so multifaceted, so incredibly vast. So I decided, you know, we might as well just travel a few different roads, touch on a few subject areas that I know you will have plenty to say about. So I've decided to call this chat of ours today, Path, Passion, Purpose, and Portals. I have to say, as I've listened to you over the last year, Emery, you've clearly exemplified the first three, path, passion, and purpose for sure. But I had to throw in the portals as well, because the idea of interdimensional reality has always intrigued me. And I know many others in our audience as well. So I hope we can get into that a little bit. But first and foremost, allow me to welcome you, Mr. Smith, for the first time to Higher Journeys. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Alexis. I really appreciate you and the team there. Well, thank you so much. Well, let's get right into it, shall we? Let, I, I want to start, and we, we talked a little bit offline before before we started recording here. Uh, I don't think we necessarily need to begin at the beginning for you, because I know there's so many who are now familiar with your incredible story. However, I would like you to tell us if at some point, at some level, you felt early on in your life, that you would be led down this path that you're on now? I mean, I know that you've mentioned that you had parents who nurtured your own curiosity and your inquisitive nature. And it seems that you'd always had an interest in the larger picture of reality, the the big picture and the big questions. But if you would, tell us a little bit more about this. Did you feel on some level that you were heading in this direction, even at a young age? Well, you know, like most children, I was pretty confused. Um, I was very conscious and aware at a young age compared to my peers. And um, I think it it gave me like my own self-realization that, okay, there's some really messed up things going on around me, but, you know, I have my own path. And I didn't realize I was going to end up where I was. Mm. Um, I intentionally... Um, got involved with the military at a very young age, at the age of 13. Hmm. And that was through Civil Air Patrol, an auxiliary of the Air Force, and Army ROTC through the high school. So my family, uh, my dad was in the Navy, my grandfather was in the Army, and I just wanted to be in the Air Force because it looked the techiest. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what I did right after high school, went into... 
the United States Air Force. That was in um, 1990. Yeah, 1990. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And I think really me growing up on the farm and things like that helped guide me into a vast array of different things I could do. Um, my father was a really great uh, diesel and gas engine mechanic amongst other things. So he taught me all about the engines and all that stuff at a very young age, which I think, you know, that's where I got into the techie type stuff, but anything to do with pretty much, I know a little bit about everything. So it kind of helps out. <laughs> I think that's why I get along with everyone because I can relate to a lot of different things and also how societies are and right. different countries. And it's always fun to go and be the extraterrestrial <laughs> country and you know you know meet people and try to understand you know what's really going on here so at a young age I think I woke up pretty early and uh, decided to go into the military I was going to go into aerospace because I wanted to be a pilot in the air force I turned down an army scholarship to fly helicopters and then I went into the United States Air Force under a medical uh, surgical apprenticeship mm -hmm. uh, program they had. And that's kind of, you know, what guided me into that. And then, you know, of course, if I did not go in the military, this would have never happened because it was during my, my active duty um, time that I was approached to do some uh, moonlighting positions, which are just extra work that you get extra pay for. Um, it could be many different things when they offer you moonlighting and that's what I did. I took it and I thought I was going to be harvesting organs from fallen soldiers. Uh, but that's not what I was doing. <laughs> right. And, and so the story goes, well, you know, that's interesting that you're saying this because my next question for you, Emery was, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it has been speculated that let's just say there's certain individuals that are earmarked early on, even as children, to be a part of certain, let's call them moonlighting, as you've termed it, or high-level projects, projects that fall outside of the scheme of the ordinary, if you know what I mean. So my question was, do you feel that you perhaps were one of those individuals who was chosen to participate as you have, or as you're describing it? I mean, let's, let's, let's go there just a little bit. What do you think? Do you know what I mean when I'm asking that? No, say, reword that again. You want to know, go ahead. Some feel that there are certain individuals, I mean, let's face it, the things that you've done, not everyone that enlists or is involved well, in military can do this. Do they yeah, know? I think there's something. I think there's something in control behind the scenes. Okay. That do look at certain individuals and people and maybe target them and guide them on on a path that was kind of not their own, um, but at the same time was still beneficial for that being. So I do I do believe there's some something or someone or some something behind the scenes that that does this that actually is you know watching all of us and that is picking out different types of people hmm. uh, for certain things. Yeah. So it sounds like you may be referring to that of the non-human kind. Is that what you well, mean? Well, I don't. Well, not, you know, it could be either one. Um, it could be both. Mm hmm. 
but there's definitely, I think, some things going on. Um, it's just too, you know, it's it's too uncanny how things unfold. Absolutely. So I have to question it, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I don't know that it's it's what it serves necessarily to harp on. Was this planned? Was it not? You know, this comes up a lot, our, huh. our path. And this is part of what this talk is, is called is path and purpose. But you do have to wonder, and this this would bring in a whole nother uh, discussion about free will versus destiny. Uh, you know, are our lives planned for us? You know, um, have you seen the movie The Adjustment Bureau? It's pretty old now. I still bring it up. It's probably, what, 78 years old with mm. uh, with Matt Damon. Have you seen that movie? No. You haven't seen The Adjustment Bureau? Oh, my God, you've got to go see it. Or not see, dial it up. Yeah, well. It's, oh, my gosh, I'm so surprised you haven't seen it. It really has to do with, if I can sum up, it's it's really a love story, but it's about a man who uh, uh, pursues a career in politics and, uh, you know, in the midst of all of this this whirlwind, you know, his, his path to becoming the next great, I don't know what, maybe even president, he falls in love with someone. And there is a, a sort of this group of others, let's just say, we never know whether they're human, non-human, or maybe hybrid, that have his path carved out for him. And they're determined that he's not to fall in love with this woman, because that's not what they have in the path. It's not in it's not in the what the bureau says. So without going into the whole thing, it reminds me what you're saying reminds me of that. Is there some faction that has including ourselves, perhaps the higher self that has this uh, path of ours carved for us, or maybe they're multiple? I don't know, I don't want to digress too much. But I, I just wanted to pose that to you because it is quite interesting. It's, it's very interesting. Well, yeah. you've um, you've spoken at great length. Let's talk about lean into the missions a little bit about some of the missions that you've been integral to, integral with, and the intelligences that you've interacted with. And again, I'm speaking, of course, of non-human intelligence or what I call NHI, the technologies that you've both developed and been trained in. I would say, Emery, you certainly have one <laughs> one foot in this world and one in a completely different world for sure. So my question to you is, when you juxtapose these very two different realities, you know, ordinary reality with extraordinary reality, how do you reconcile these extremes? It was a very difficult transition from the projects to civilian life, Hmm. Um, especially like when you know something can be fixed a lot easier than how they're doing it, whether it's medical or construction or... It doesn't matter. It's just there's so much, so many other easier ways to do things, to heal people, to heal the planet. Um, just getting into a car kind of gives me flashbacks of, you know, we don't even need cars. We have anti-gravity. Wow. You know, it's like why, it's like I have to, you know, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'll just tell everyone, you know, I'm here and we've all chose to be here and we've been here many times. And we're just going through this and we're forever types of beings. Um, But we, you know, there, of course, there's things I want out like right now. But of course, it's not up to me. It's not my timeline. Mm -hmm. And once you understand that it's not your timeline, that, you know, it's just, you know, up to the universe. And there's, of course, choices and, and, and paths you can pick on the way. But that's, you know, up to you. So... I think, you know, that being said, you know, people will have a better understanding 
of, you know, getting through this life because it is, you know, it's difficult sometimes and mm. you have to not get programmed. You know, that's the biggest thing I can give everyone is not to fall into the media and the movies and all the stuff that's being said out there because, you know, you're being programmed, you're being puppeted to go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. We are a 3D species, which means we just have these five senses, but we do have other senses that just need to be activated. Right. Because we're all very special beings that can do amazing things. It's Agreed. just we're not all turned on all the way yet. Yeah. Well, I don't think this is an accident. You're saying, you know, we're being programmed and... I often wonder, I, I, again, I like to consider myself the person w that thinks that the glass is half full, but have we reached the point of no return, Emery, in terms of how deep does the programming go to the point where are, we're so habituated to, you know, the denial of possibilities, as an example? Um, what will it take? Can can we get out of this? And I say we broadly because clearly there are many people that are, we use the term loosely, waking up. But let's face it, there are a lot of people who are in this, what I call, coma of complacency. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, this has been going on forever. I often wonder if it's, if it's coming through a, a DNA, if it's in, embedded in our DNA. So what do you think? What, is it one, what will it take, in your opinion, to well, get people yeah, well, unlocked? Unfortunately, for it to happen faster and sooner... You know, it might take a cataclysmic event or a major catastrophe that, uh, you know, changes everyone, brings everyone together, you know, unfortunately. Because when, you know, pe humans don't really want to fight. Um, they're, they're not those types of people. They're very sensitive beings. But, you know, they're put in a corner where, or they're fed something to make them believe that they're going to war for this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, it's the, the problem is the programming. Um, I think I might've got off track. What, what was, no, just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I think we were talking about how we got so habituated toward, you know, yeah. toward this, you know, little me, I can't, you know, I, nothing's in my control. I can't, I can't, I can't. And here you are having seen not only what is possible, but you've executed on many of these things and you know, we're talking about having one foot in one world, one in another. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was it, it was difficult. And, you know, getting out here and seeing what the real world's doing, you know, just it's, it's a sad thing. And that's why I'm here is trying to get these corporations and governments to release at least some of the technology that will help us live longer and mm -hmm. help us live healthier and also to get out to help clean up the oceans. Right. And, and the planet and all the animals and stop all these species from becoming extinct. Because one thing is we only have, you know, one earth uh, right now hmm. <laughs> and uh, we need to take care of it before anything, even before um, ourselves. We right. gotta put the planet first. Right. And I've heard you, I've heard you talk about uh, this before and that you are getting some, uh, some cooperation, at least verbally, from some of these larger entities that you're that you you've been talking to about wanting to, you know, they're on they're on the humanitarian path as well. I mean, I think so many of us are 
have become so jaded by the fact that when you hear corporate, that means bad. And that, that's not necessarily the case, right? What would you, what's going on there? You obviously don't have to mention any names, but do well, you feel? You know, all the corporations, governments, they all want to change. And they do, they know it's not going so well. Um, the, the bad corporations, um, they're not all bad, by the mm-hmm. way. Of course, you said, I'm glad you pointed that out. And neither is the government. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's tied in, being extorted. You know, there's lots of crazy things happening that is out of their control. But they're the good thing is, like you said, they want, you know, they want to come and change and become more conscious. And they know the world needs a better, you know, the world needs a better place to live in itself. Mm-hmm. So They live in it too, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they fall under the same laws we do. So Absolutely. they need to... If they're listening, they just need to get off their butts and make something happen and kind of disclose a little bit more information mm-hmm. because the public, I believe, is ready for it, even though there's going to be a lot of controversy about it. But you know, I think people would want to know the truth instead of living in the matrix. I think the majority of them would anyway. Ultimately, yeah. What If there were one thing that they meaning the public and or the the corporations or whomever knows if there was one subject one reality that heretofore has been kept from the public but may need to come out what would that be you think what subject what what reality it'll probably be something to do with maybe water like releasing information on how powerful water is Mm -hmm. interesting all all the things that can be done with water such as decontaminating uh, soil uh, in different parts of the world that are contaminated for growing, uh, turning salt water into drinkable water, um, you know, using the hydrogen uh, from water as energy, clean energy. So there's a lot of things. I think they'll slip it through something simple like that where the technology will be shown, you know, cleaning up, you know, something bigger than Fukushima. Right. Bringing water to an area where for some reason there was, it hasn't rained in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that, where it's affecting, you know, millions of people. I think they'll release some things, <clears throat> some of these technologies. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you speak of water. It's interesting that you brought that up first, because the first thing that came to mind, Emery, is Masito Emoto's work in terms of the consciousness of water and memory and intelligence. And water is a storing device. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, we're all water. We're, we're all water. That's right. But okay. the fact that water is so malleable, that it has the ability to store information, to be structured vis-a-vis certain frequencies... I'm sure there are many that are aware of that. Well, obviously there there are people that are that are working with that, but I would think that that's something that the the masses uh, would, to the extent that they can understand it, would like to hear. What What do you think about that? Yeah, I know. I think um, everyone's ready for the the next. You know, everyone. iPhone twenty is already made, but they're not going to release it. I heard you year. say that. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> the same things going on with technologies and drugs and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Whether it's from energy to medical to um, the stuff you buy at the local grocery store. Right. 
But uh, as far as water is, there's so much about water. It's just a, such an amazing thing. It is. Um, before State of Water, I know a couple of scientists who are getting patents on that right now, which is the plas- plasma state. It's like a gas, not steam. And that can do a lot of things um, as far as healing you and also cleaning up uh, sewage and uh, radioactive material, all, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping that water will be the foot in the door for the world. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, like you said, we are water, not just not just our bodies, but the planet itself is primarily water. So, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, I I was going to bring this up next. um, I was in Australia in January. I gave a lecture there. uh, And I want to segue because my my talk was about uh, contact as a mass phenomenon. But that aside, I want to come back to that. I I lectured in in central Australia at a place called Uluru, which is in uh, Ulara, is the, the territory. But Uluru is the, and you can probably hear a massive, what sounds like Air Force One going over me right now. Good oh. Lord. I live near an Air Force base, by the way. <laughs> Let's let that plane go by. Hey, Trump, how you doing, man? Yeah, that sounded like Air Force One, for real. That doesn't happen too often. Anyway, sorry about that, folks. Uh, anyway, before I lose my train of thought, lecturing in Uluru. Uluru is known as the Red Rock, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal sacred. We're going to get into portals and ley lines shortly. Uh, it's said to be sitting on ley lines, etc. It's a very active part of our planet. And you speak of water, Emery, and I recall doing a tour of the Rock of Uluru, which is this massive, I, I couldn't even equate it to the biggest building, it's so huge. But walking around it, and we're in the desert, keep in mind, but there is actually an area it, within the crevices, certain parts of the rock, where water is generated and sustained. Where on earth, where on earth is that coming from? There's no rain there to speak of. Any thoughts on that? You talk about the magic of water and how it's able to show up in places that it shouldn't be. Well, you know, this rock obviously is very special. It's very large has a history here on the planet, um, possibly has some portals there. Yeah. And the energy in different areas, you know, it's just the earth is a very magical place. And I like to look at things from both sides, you know, from the scientific side and also from the astral, Mm -hmm. um, theoral side. So when I look at things and see things and remote view things, it gives me a a little bit better understanding of whatever the target is and what I'm trying to figure it out, whatever it is I'm trying to figure out. And, uh, and it's possible that this rock, you know, or different types of energies at different parts of the planet can make, you know, water uh, come out of nowhere. Hmm. Um, and that's what makes me think it might be a portal because interesting there have been things such as lakes and, all sorts of little things inside the earth as well that have been shown to come from somewhere else. So the water feeding into this lake actually comes from somewhere else, like mm-hmm. another part of it. So it's possible that this rock, the only thing I can explain, because I, I haven't been there, I know about this place you talk about. But mm-hmm. It's Uluru uh, and it's, Katajuta. It's, a, it's an amazing yeah. place. Oh my gosh, it's okay. amazing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And it's not even a lake, just it it's literally this little 
what would you what would you equate it to? A little uh, uh, like a little pool of water, a little pool of water in a, in a cavern or crevice. And it's, mm. and you can see little there's there's organisms growing in it. There's there's little guppies or <laughs> little fish swimming <laughs> around. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, meanwhile, we're there and it had to be the equivalent of about 115 degrees at the time. Probably what it'll be in Indian Wells. We'll be talking about that shortly. But it was hot. So you, you really it, it really boggles the mind how how that water, how it got there and how it stays there, not evaporating uh, ever. So anyway, yeah. just 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 thought I'd bring that up. Well, you know what? Let's. Speaking of portals, let's go there. You want to talk about portals, man? (laughs) Let's segue to that because this is exciting. I know this is exciting to a lot of folks in our audience. You know, uh, and as I said to you offline, I'm not so much wanting to talk about man-made portal technology, although I know that it does exist. Uh, I'd like to talk about how common natural portals are, maybe like what we just talked about, are to our planet and how we may be interacting with them without realizing if this is possible. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. And you've had some experience with the man-made ones. I'm talking the... about the, the real deal, assuming there are both. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there are many portals all around um, the planet. It's not just one spot that you can go to, and they are harvesting this energy from these portals and building man-made portals on top of these portals around the planet and in the seas, in the ocean, there's many portals too. Um, there are portals that can come and go that are only there at certain times, even though time mm. doesn't exist. That's and right. Then there's ones that just you know come in and out um, that were left behind temporarily by other craft and other civilizations. And I was part of a project, and the projects that dealt with. Um, portal jumping and portals and things like that where they were going to other places, not exactly sure where, could be other planets or inner Earth. And uh, we were collecting specimens of, of all sorts and bringing them back. And they've been doing this for a very long time because in the archives of, that I was privy to, it went back more than the 60s so they were probably the documentation the oldest documentation i saw was probably early 60s um so they probably got it in the 50s kept it hush hush for 10 or 20 years and then slowly started experimenting it with bigger laboratories Mm -hmm. and they probably needed a lot more income to do these tests to perfect it because it's still not exactly perfected just yet. Mm-hmm. And so they, they've been doing this, and they're all over the place. And I do think portals are responsible for a lot of disappeared um, craft, our craft, and ships. Absolutely. That's, yeah, well, if you think of uh, the Bermuda Triangle, it's one. Uh, the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Experiment, which is controversial, sure, but you have to wonder, you think of the work of David Pilates and all of the missing cases that he's dealing with. Will he ever, ever get clarification on what on earth is happening or off earth to these individuals? Are portals, to, at least in part, uh, would would that explain some of these disappearances, you think? Mm. 
Yeah, no, I think so. I think there's something behind it. Uh, I did read some things that led to that belief um, in the projects. So we in the military also have craft that go missing, accounted mm-hmm. for. Uh, so it's not just something that's happening to civilians. It's happening to the military and the military industrial complex. So all over the world, right. not just here. And you could even mention not not just on this planet, but the, the entire solar system. Or I think you may have been talking about ley lines, but they work somehow in tandem, don't they? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's ley lines, you know, on the Earth, of course, that have different types of energies, which have been documented. And a lot of the civilizations, the ancient ones, have built on these ley lines or mm-hmm. in the corners for certain reasons. Um, it has to do with the energetic path of the Earth. And at the same time, uh, what I discovered also was there's ley lines <laughs> in the universe mm-hmm. and connect all the planets. So a lot of these portals use ley lines and, and these types of ethereal highways to get to places around the, uh, the universe, which is pretty neat. These Interesting. energetic lines that go all the way through the universe um, and a type of... 3D but stereotactic way, which means um, it's more of a a three dimensional space like we see right now. Uh huh. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sorry, go over your head. Yeah. No. 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 I'm following you. In fact, I'm getting a visual as you're describing. Imagine ley lines again. You think of this sort of um, uh, continuum period, the, the continuum of all things. Is there really any disconnect between us as humans or even the ley lines? So if ley lines exist, is there even a beginning or end to them? They they may just continue to connect from one planet to another. To, maybe they're galactic ley lines. Yeah, they might go into other dimensions too. Yes. Uh, now we're getting they, somewhere. Now we're getting there. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> that's, inter- that's an interesting prospect. Yeah. They definitely um, can be used for interdimensional travel, um, depending on, you know, what the craft and how um, advanced that this civilization is mm-hmm. and you know, what they're using to get around in. They create a uh, an energy field around the craft, which has its own density, so it has its own gravitational field around it. So they they can go a thousand miles an hour and turn right, make a right hand turn, and no one will feel it inside the craft because they have their own gravitational field, and the craft the craft emits this energy in front of it, um, like a like a black hole type of thing, mm-hmm. and that gravity pulls the craft wherever it wants to go. They can also open up a, a point in space and time around the universe and make an opening in that part of the universe, and then the craft will be sucked into that field and, and will be there in one second, even though it's 10 million light years away. Sure. So they've conquered all this space travel and all this stuff using, of course, um, the gravity from the vacuum of space and time, and that's why the U.S. government will not allow their UFO files to be released um, they're the only country who has not released their UFO files 
Because if you prove that an extraterrestrial craft came here, the first thing the scientists at Harvard and Stanford are going to say are, well, you know, how, they didn't get here using gas, coal, and oil, right. so rocket fuel. So how did they get here? And then that's going to open up the use of overunity, the use of zero point energy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. This field of energy that's everywhere that we shouldn't even be, we, that we've been stuck here for 100 years now since Tesla and Stubblefield were right. taken out. Mm-hmm. We've basically been held back from technologies over 100 years. So there's other uh, planet Earths out there with people on them that started the same time we did, but they're so far advanced because they didn't have this problem of, you know, the government and corporations trying to take over and and halt us, I mean, completely stop us from getting any better with science and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, they, that what I'm trying to get at is we need to have more education of what's really out there, what's more available, because eventually someone's going to just say, you know, screw this, I'm going to hook this up to the grid. You think that's going to happen? You think okay. that's what it's going to come to? Someone's just going to say, yeah. our collective, screw this, we're just going to, we're going to go for this and whatever will be, will be. Well, let me ask you this question. You just said a lot there, Emery. I want to try to see if I can uh, retain a couple of these things. You're saying that, and I I really uh, find this quite plausible, that there may be, who knows, billions of other Earth-like planets out there with, uh, you know, maybe not Homo sapien sapien as we think, but close to it, even duplicates of our Earth um, that may be utilizing this technology has not been hidden from them. Do you have any intelligence? I, I don't want you to say anything you, you, you shouldn't or can't, but do you have any level of intelligence to say that, that that very well is going on? That's my first question, then I have a second one after that, that there are other planets that are utilizing yeah. this technology right now with people on it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely true. There are many planets. There's an unlimited amount of planets, so just get over it. i don't find that hard to believe but i just again we're those of us that are that are open-minded to that beyond that i think we 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 know on a visceral level that that's the case but then there are those who have interacted with those planets perhaps and the people on them so yeah i I mean all i can say is that there are uh, other human civilizations all over the universe and near to us that started at the same exact time. And they are a lot more technologically advanced, I'll say, and have already went amongst the stars. Mm-hmm. So that's because they were not um, being held back from all these amazing scientists, engineers, and inventors uh, that came forward. And they obviously became more conscious quicker than we did. Uh, we will, you know, get at that level eventually, and I believe that because a lot of all the ETs have human DNA, and we have a lot of ET DNA. So there's something going on that I think we also need to survive. So there is a future in the universe for all other species. Absolutely, absolutely. Who's holding us back? What's holding us back? You think? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question I get. 
it's it's hard to delineate what and who is doing what because it's a vicious circle of politics, religion, gas, coal, and oil, the FDA, big pharma, and a lot of control issues, of course. So I do still stick to the story that, you know, there are major corporations that run the planet, that run the politicians, that run religion. It all works together. But it's, it's kind of, you know, at the same time, inappropriate and and not fair to the people. Of course. Being used as, you know, test mice right. in a laboratory, because that's kind of what we are in a way. So I believe the major corporations kind of that have basically 80% of the world's wealth are the ones who, these elites that you'll never see, you'll never meet, you'll never mm. know. Right. They're too smart to be, you know, if anything, they're hiding in plain daylight. You sure. Know, they're not, not going to expose themselves or their families, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And in a very secret type society. It's a very different way of living when you have everything you possibly could ever want. Right. And that's what these megalomaniacs have got together and they became sick, mentally ill, because they actually, like a, a drug user, they're actually addicted to the control of people. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's not the control of people. It's the secret control of people that gets them off. So this is the, the the battle that we're up against is the good thing is that 90% of that whole pop culture term majestic 12 is over over it all and they're supporting us. Mm-hmm. But the other 10% is you know they're very diabolical. Holding so on for dear life it, they, it they, seems the 90% is scared of that 10% for mm-hmm. a reason because they do have ways to you know, incinerate anyone on the planet. You know, yeah. everyone's yeah. Uh, frequency has been recorded on the planet, and they can find you in two seconds if they wanted to, um, using these special satellites that are in the, on the planet that scan people constantly at all airports, bus stations, train stations, and public places. Mm-hmm. So they're they're getting ready to. You know, buckle down in case they had to, you know, initiate martial law or something, and that they can find people quickly and and have you know gain control. I'll say, mm-hmm. and have more control. Look, we know everything that you're mentioning, and I, I appreciate your. I hadn't necessarily planned on going there, but hey, look, people need to to know what's going on. I don't know that uh, people are completely in the dark anymore. We know that some semblance of <laughs> Lack of privacy, just to put it mildly, is going on. But then when it when you get into literal blueprints of our frequency, that can be accessible at any moment. I, I think a lot in our audience are pretty hip to that. But the degree to which, it's still mind-boggling. Um, so the question becomes, what is the what is the defense, or what is you know what what do we what do we do with this knowledge? How can we? I don't even know if it's about blocking this their ability to get this, but transcending. Uh, you know, th- this reality. I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I keep, I can't shake what you said, Emery, about other planets that may be mimicking ours, maybe in flora and fauna, all the way down to the species, the, the, the intelligent species, and yet they didn't get 
caught up in the grip of this madness that we're in. This, what Tom Campbell calls, the physicist Tom Campbell calls this an entropy reduction trainer for souls. And I, my audience knows I use it all the time because I think it's so apt. Maybe this is the, maybe this is a trainer so we can, but I, but I say trainer for what? <laughs> it doesn't get any crazier than this. This is entropy, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we are being, um, we're, we are going to school, I'll say. Everyone's in school right now. And we are on our way and our trajectory moving upwards and becoming more conscious and transformative. Mm -hmm. So we have to realize that not everyone's on that same level. So we have to have compassion. Absolutely. Agreed. And when we leave this place, we take all that with us and we either, either will recirculate and come back or we'll hang out there or go to the next level. You know, we'll have a choice. Um, some people have to come back, you know, I've been here a few hundred times, I feel. And I think knowing that there is, you know, this afterlife and knowing that you don't have to have fear, which is a really bad thing on the body. And that's what everyone wants us to be in fear 24 seven, the media, the politics, the religion, you know, the wars, it's all about fear-based. Of course. And that's why I get on some radio stations and some movie TV sets, and I, they basically are trying to guide me into a negative reality. So I'll have to look at the interviewer and say, you know, I'm not going down there because it's not. There's a lot of abundance. Even though the interviewer needs really gossipy, goody Yeah. That's so, yeah. And it's just terrible. And these are my colleagues. So right. I, I know. I get it. Like, no, I'm not going there because it doesn't mm. serve. I mean, I can make people aware of things. But if it, you know, talking negative about anything doesn't mm. serve. So I won't do it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I know. And that's all I can do. I do appreciate that. And as you know, we agreed before we went on the air that we were going to try to keep this in the glass half full category. But look, I mean, in, in all fairness, I do think uh, that I always say in order to understand how bright the light can be, you have to be somewhat aware of the shadow, not for the sake of the shadow, but for the sake of understanding its opposite and things are bright and there is abundance everywhere. I've always felt that there always has been. It's only the perception that there's been shortage that has brought the reality to so many that there is. So I appreciate the fact that you're keeping it in the glass half full category. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well we only have a few minutes left. I'm looking at this clock. Maybe we can go, oh. I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes more. But I wanted I want to see if I can get in here. We we've touched on this idea of non-human intelligence uh walking well, not I want to talk about perhaps walking amongst us right now, but it, just this idea, two questions for you, Emery, I have in terms of what we may be dealing with here. And again, my, my thought is that there is probably a spectrum, a spectrum of non-human intelligence that, that, you know, with every possible agenda you can imagine, or none at all, uh, but a spectrum nonetheless. And I mentioned that I, I lectured in Australia uh, in January, and what my talk was about is contact as a mass phenomenon. Uh, contact is a mass phenomenon, except for the fact, it, it, is it a mass phenomenon, first of all, and could it be 
a mass phenomenon in which millions or even billions of people are having contact and are oblivious to their encounters. That was what the talk was about. Not to prove it, of course, but to put the question out there. I would love to get your thoughts on how ubiquitous you think contact may be, even amongst the unwitting and unsuspecting public. I think uh, that contact is going on 24-7. I know this to be true. I mean, they're always here. They live amongst us. They're in their craft all over. They work with some of our corporations and governments um, in very classified things. So I would have to say that, you know, I believe the majority of people really understand this, you know, what's going on and that they are here and that, you know, they just haven't presented themselves, you know, on a worldwide, you know, TV or agenda and let us know what's going on. But I think that's coming. Mm-hmm. That's it's also coming, I believe. I don't know when. We call that the D word, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> the D word. Yeah, I call it the D word. I'm so tired of hearing the word. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Wow. So you you do yeah. feel that they are walking amongst us right now. I mean, imagine you're walking down a city street or in a, on a, in a rural town. Are, are they passing us on the street, you think, in some cases? Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, definitely they are. They're all over. They look very, there's a lot of them that look just like us. Mm-hmm. Like I told you earlier, um, what would you call your thing? NHRs? Non-human intelligence, yeah. That's yeah, my new acronym. <laughs> uh, that's a hard one, non-human intelligence. And the only reason I say is because, you know, I know a lot of these, all of them that I've tested have had uh, small amounts of human DNA. Interesting. Which means they might have came from us before they you know, we're so technologically advanced. A lot of them have AI. Mm-hmm. So I kind of separate the AI people from the ETs from Earth humans, I'll say. Those are the three categories. Yeah. There is such a variety, for sure. I mean, we, we talk about the, the hybridized species. Hybrids in, in all uh, life form, really. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, let's talk about like, that. There's so many different human races here on planet Earth. You know, we all don't look the same. And why is that? Well, just so you know, once everyone started migrating everywhere and, you know, dropping their seed everywhere, I'll say, (laughs) that there was this influx of mixture of DNA from different cultures and from different societies, which makes everyone kind of a mutt today. That's right. And that is exactly what happened in the universe, is that... You know, the Arcturans met the Pleiadians, met the Syrians, who met the Aquifarians, who met... So you have to understand, this has been going on for billions of years, and they have been intermingling, I'll say, because you will have someone with, you know, a hundred to a thousand different uh, DNAs from around the universe. Is that amazing? It's amazing, and I thought the same thing. We're reminded of the gods, you know, uh, messing with the daughters of men. (laughs) I'm misquoting, but you you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. It's completely plausible. It's completely plausible. 
The question is, how deep does a rabbit hole go? I have to tell you, Emery, there have been a couple of occasions that I have seen, interacted with even, very briefly, what I had a sense, I'm just going to say a sense, were not completely human. They were hybrid. Yeah. No no, question about it. No question about it. Most likely it was. I mean, go with your gut feeling, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're out there. There's many hybrid people, too, that are out there. There's many hybrid people out there that don't know they're hybrid. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is what we're talking about. And this is, a, this is, look, this is why we have these conversations, because I do think we're entitled to know a bit about the mystery, if you will, because we're part of the mystery. We have a symbiotic relationship with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, guess what? Ding, ding, uh, ding. <laughs> we're out of time. Oh, this is great. Oh, this yeah. is absolutely great. Listen, man, I hope we can have you back again. Um, but in the interim, I want to talk to people about Contact in the Desert. This is where Emery is going to be speaking. Is this is this the next event you're going to be doing, by the way, or uh, coming up in May? Or do you have anything? Bio, I have a bioregenesis one coming up in Reno, Nevada, I think May 5th and 6th. Okay. Something All right, like great. that. It's only for like a very short okay. um, talk I'm giving on regenerative medicine. And then we have, of course, Contact in the Desert. I got maybe yes. four or five workshops there you guys well, can check out. Let's talk about it. I'm going to tell the folks right now and tell people to go as we're speaking to contactinthedesert.com. I was just looking here. You've, you're going to be a busy man. You're going to be doing a workshop called Uncovering the Truth. You're going to be doing CE5 Under the Stars. This is great. This is this is absolutely going to be fabulous. I will be there, by the way. So I hope to to maybe tag along for that CE five. You're going to be That's doing cool. a Monday intensive, bringing technology forth ways we can heal, and that's a big one. And you're also going to be doing a lecture called "Getting in the Projects: History and Revelation of the Advancement of Mankind." Oof! <laughs> I tell you what, you guys stuck it to me. <laughs> no downtime for you, man. So <laughs> that's I'm great. Ready to roll. That's absolutely great. And I know that people can get even more information from it's emerysmith.net, correct? Yeah, emerysmith.net. Um, you can sign up for there. Or, of course, my Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you want to look up what we're doing with the new documentary, you can go to zerocross.co. Okay. You can also check out the nootropic supplement Zeta XR is okay. also sold on that site, which they're making a new site. It's just going to be called Zeta XR. And that's also going to be shown at Contact in the, in the Desert. If you guys want to sample the Zeta XR stuff that they used to make for the DOD. Oh, wow. Are you going to have a booth there? Yeah, we have a booth there. Oh, ZeroCross.co is okay. the booth. I mean, ZeroCross. It's under ZeroCross. But they're, they're going to have some posters and some cool stuff there that you guys can look at. Excellent. Yeah. And, and you will be available to meet some of the people that have been following your work. I know you're yeah, always so... When I'm not talking, I usually go to the booth and kind of hang out and look around and just walk around and shop and talk to everybody. Excellent. It's a fun event, is it not? You were there last year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there too. I don't think we, we got to speak, but we're. So I was I yeah introducing a bunch of folks and you were speaking. So <laughs> we'll make sure that we hook up when we see each other uh, in, in a month or two. And uh, it'll be great. And again, I do urge everyone to go on over to contactinthedesert.com. Great stuff all the way around. Well, Emory Smith, Mr. Smith, thank you so much. Keep up the purpose, passion, the path. Learn more about portals. Let us know. (laughs) But most of all. Oh, absolutely. I'm never stopping. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. You are necessary for sure. I appreciate uh, I you. Can't, I couldn't do it without all of you. So thank all of you uh, for being by my side and supporting me. I really appreciate it. Could not have done it without you. We're all on this journey together. Aren't we journeyers? <laughs> Listen, everyone, we thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time on How Your Journeys. Take care.